Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and today we are looking at Season 1, Episode 13 of Batwoman, entitled Drink Me. And as always, spoilers will ensue, so if you have not watched this episode, I highly suggest you go and watch it. Come on back and take a listen. So, in this episode, we're really reeling from, you know, the events uh, last week when... It really seemed like Kate was really going to get everything that she wanted and hoped for. Uh, as you know, there were two Beths, um, Beth from Earth Prime, who is, of course, Alice, and her, <clears throat> the other Beth, I should say, from a, a different Earth that was kind of, I guess the best way to put it is she was kind of left over after the collapse of the multiverse and the formation of Earth Prime. Um they really had concocted a plan to try and save her. And when things really looked like they were going to go Kate's way, tragedy struck in the form of Dr. Cartwright shooting the wrong Beth. Uh, Really what we open up with here is a couple of interesting things. Jacob is suddenly out of jail. I guess with Alice dead, he was somehow cleared of all charges. And I mean, in all honesty, I was a little confused here. I mean, we, we all know he was innocent. You know, he did not kill Catherine and try to kill Mary. I mean, we, we know that. We saw what happened uh, with Alice's plan with Mouse and, and, and everything. But just to have him released, you know, no harm, no foul sort of a thing, no explanation. It was a little weird, but, I mean, it was very satisfying. I mean, you know, justice, justice was done. However, you know, I think the thing that was unfortunate here is... Um, he goes to the morgue with Sophie, where, you know, who he thinks, you know, Alice is there. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, they had performed an autopsy. You know, they pretty much labeled her a Jane Doe because really, you know, in this timeline, no, I shouldn't say timeline, you know, on this earth, you know, Beth really didn't exist anymore. They had thought she died in the car crash. And uh, so, you know, given the fact that this is like an alternate earth beth i mean they would have no way of knowing there's just no way although you know i was kind of surprised by the fact that nobody picked up on the fact that you know this this Beth or this alice i should say had her original brown hair um you know alice on this earth as far as i know i mean i don't think she's wearing a wig at all uh you know she dyed her hair or, or colored it or whatever and you know it's it's much shorter than this beth like i guess i guess you know the the idea that there could be an alternate beth i mean who would really think of that i mean really except for you know batwoman luke and mary and you know of course uh, you know all the heroes all the cw heroes and whoever they've kind of let in on it nobody really knows about you know the multiverse and and crisis on infinite earths and all that so yeah it's true but it was it really actually was kind of sad that here he is thinking you know he he knows that you know, this is his daughter, Beth, but he's thinking this is the Beth that was Alice. And it's actually really kind of a shame. You know, it was, it was a little sad that he's kind of giving a very bitter farewell to her, not realizing that, 
this Beth was, you know, the Beth that he could have had had she survived, well, not survived the crash, had they found her and this could have been her right here. And, you know, he, he will never know that. But you know what? Time to move on, I guess. Uh, you know, so I see that, you know, now that there's really only one Beth left and there's really one Alice, you know what it's time for? It's kind of time for the villain of the week. And I, and I talked about this last week, the fact that, yes, I am loving this first season, but really the focus is on, you know, the whole sort of conflict and dynamic between Kate and Beth, Batwoman and Alice. And, yeah, we've had a couple of, you know, villains of the week uh, way back when, but, you know, this this season should be wrapping up pretty soon. And, I mean, at some point, you know, the, excuse me, the, um, the storyline between Batwoman and Alice, I mean, it, there has to be some kind of conclusion or resolution. I mean, we're not going to get two seasons, three seasons, you know, of just, of just uh, Batwoman and Alice. I mean, you know, after a while, I mean, that's going to get a little, uh, it's going to get a little tired. It's going to get a little boring. You know, and while it's, you know, while it's nice to have villains of the week, I really hope that pretty soon they start to set up who the villain for next season is going to be. And, and you know, this is something that I kind of notice on the CW shows, you know, and I've, I've really, you know, for all the seasons that I've watched the various shows, uh, you know, Legends, The Flash, Supergirl, this really kind of seems to be kind of like the over overarching trend is, you know, you have a big bad for the entire season and then really pretty much in your in your season finale is when you decide to introduce, you know, hey, who's gonna, who's the big big bad going to be for next season. I mean, and while I mean, while there's really nothing too wrong about that or so wrong about that, I kind of feel that, you know, earlier in this season they teased that there is potentially or I shouldn't say potentially that there is a bigger bad out there that is somehow affiliated with Alice, uh, you know, either they've just had some run-ins together, Alice maybe works for this person, but when she was getting that sort of universal cure-all from this mysterious benefactor, you know, the internet kind of was like a buzz a bit about who it could be and thinking that it might be um, Sophia Falcone, you know, the daughter of former Gotham mob boss Carmine Falcone. Um and if there is sort of that tie-in between the two, you know, why wait to the last season to kind of bring her out and bring her forward? I mean, I'm not saying let's have a big reveal right now, but maybe drop a few more hints about it or, or you know, even maybe another big bad because, you know, I feel that, I feel that like, um, especially in this sort of like, Bat family, this sort of Bat verse. Um, you know, even though Batman's Rogues Gallery, uh, the Bat family's Rogues Gallery, you know, while they're not like so connected or or dependent upon one another, I mean, there there are some tie-ins, and and I think that you know, in the DC universe, I think that Batman. And to that to that extent, the Bat family kind of has one of the the larger and fuller rogues galleries. And the fact that you know, yes, I understand, Alice is a huge threat, and we have had a couple villains of the week. I mean, you know, there's no other kind of crime going on here in Gotham. I 
I don't know. I I look. I'm not a writer, so I guess I I don't know. Anyhow, like I said, we do have a, a villain of the week, and it's a vampire, possibly. Um, so you know, we see uh, <laughs> we get like an opening scene um, where we kind of see like. Uh, young guy uh clearly like a kind of like a rich kid party animal type um and he's having a little uh little uh rendezvous shall we say with a very attractive woman wearing uh you know it's almost kind of like uh it's almost kind of like 50 shades of gray without all the tie-up games let's just say um you know they're having a little sort of uh, interlude when she bites him with a set of fangs and he's kind of like you know what's going on uh and then we see that uh he's he's kind of strung up and pretty much essentially drained of all his blood vampire maybe um and really what we get here is, you know, uh, like I said, Jacob out of jail, uh, he goes, he visits, you know, who he thinks is Alice in the morgue. You know, it's really possibly what could have really been an excellent daughter to him and Beth. But what we also get is, you know, yeah, Kate, I mean, Kate is really reeling from this, you know. And again, you know, look, I, I look online and I see kind of kind of mixed opinions on Ruby Rose and her portrayal of, you know, Kate Kane, Batwoman. And, you know... I do see the criticism out there, and I, I kind of think it's a bit unwarranted. I mean, I think Ruby Rose is doing an absolute amazing job as Kate Kane. Um, you know, is it a departure from the Kate Kane in the comics? You know, yes, it is. I mean, the Kate Kane in the comics, you know, she went through, she went through different, you know, a different set of circumstances to become Batwoman. And, you know, there's some PS, uh, PTSD involved in there. Um, but some of the other parts of her story, uh, you know, being out at a military school and making the decision to, you know, not compromise who she is and compromise, you know, her morals or values and pretty much refusing to deny her sexuality and leaving the school, you know, all that is in there as well, you know. That story is similar in the comics, but, you know, I mean, there are some differences. Um, I know that in the comics, uh, Kay Kane, you know, I don't know if she still does now, but I know she she battled with alcoholism because of the events in her life that kind of led her to be Batwoman. Um, we don't see that here. And I, I think that, you know, this Batwoman, this Kate Kane, you know, portrayed by Ruby Rose, um, I mean, I think, you know, there is... There is a lot of conflict there. Um, there is, you know, she, yeah, I mean, she's taking up the role of Batwoman. And, I mean, clearly, you know, we know why she does it. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know if it was last episode, the episode before, where, you know, the alternate Earth, Beth, really kind of said, you know, you, you couldn't save your mom and your sister. So now you're saving all the moms and sisters out there. I mean, you know... Kate Kane, you know, at heart, you know, is is a person that if if there's something wrong out there, she's going to do something about it. I mean, she wanted to, I mean, initially the show started off with her training 
you know, her father sends her out there. To, you know, she wants to join the Crows. And her father's, well, uh, I need you to go train because he doesn't want her to be part of the Crows. And even when she comes back, you know, he's sort of like, you know, yeah, I'll have you join the Crows in a nice cushy desk job. You know, I'm not putting you out there in harm's way. I lost one daughter already. I'm not going to lose my other daughter. And that just doesn't sit well with Kate. I mean, that's just not who Kate is. You know, like I said, if there's a wrongdoing out there, she's going to do everything in her power to really, you know, help and pitch in. And, you know, she's not an unwilling Batwoman. I mean, I think she took the mantle up really, really well because, you know, when she learns, when she learns who her favorite cousin Bruce, Bruce Wayne, you know, who he really was and, you know, why he did what he did, you know, it, it kind of clicks with her. But of course, you know, like she said, she is her own person. She's not going to follow, you know, his sort of Bat plan, <laughs> for lack of a better term. You know, she's not going to follow that you know, follow his. I mean, she's going to put her own spin on it. And I and I definitely think she has. And I don't know. I mean, like I said, I've seen some criticism out there. I mean, I think Ruby Rose is doing a phenomenal job. Um, if you kind of notice, I mean, she doesn't really get that much dialogue. It might seem like it because, I mean, she is the main character. But, you know, and again, I think I mentioned this many, many episodes ago where I kind of compared her almost to like a Don Draper. You know, Don Draper... Uh, Mad Men, you know, John Hamm, I mean, he was he was the main character. I mean, the show pretty much revolved around Don Draper, you know, Batwoman obviously revolves around Kay Kane slash Batwoman. But if you really look at both of those characters and the actors portraying them, they had minimal dialogue, but, you know, their face, their expressions, you know, told a thousand stories. Um you know, really anything that goes on, you know, even before Ruby Rose as Kate Kane utters a word, you know, you look at her face, uh, you look at her expressions, um, you know, you know what's going on. You know, you you know the story before she even can utter a word of dialogue. You really know what's going on. And I mean, that that takes a lot of skill. I mean, that really, really takes a lot of skill to convey that much emotion that much you know sense of drama and and passion and and whatnot i mean to convey that without words with body language with facial expressions i mean it really is it really really is a skill um way back when on this show you know uh, i did an episode by episode review of doom patrol and in it you know there's two characters you have robot man and you have you know uh the negative man aka larry trainer and with those characters, both of those characters were essentially in suits. Uh, you know, there was a, a person inside a robot man suit. Uh, there was a person pretty much wrapped up in bandages playing Larry Trainer. Now, the voices of these characters were done by different actors. Of course, Robot Man was done by uh, the great Brendan Fraser. And what was amazing about both of those performances is, you know, the actors supplying the voices did a great job. I mean, you heard it. You, you heard the pain and suffering in their voices because just about every other character on Doom Patrol really went through a lot of suffering. Um, but the, the men inside the suits, because, you know, that wasn't Brendan Fraser inside the Robot Man suit, but the men inside those suits um, really conveyed a lot of emotion too. It just wasn't, you know, okay, we need a really big guy to fit in the Robot Man suit and be able to walk around. I mean, there were some scenes in Doom Patrol where Brendan Fraser isn't uttering a word of dialogue, 
But based on, and, and especially in the case of Robot Man, who basically, you know, had a robot face, I mean, had a blank express, expressionless face, excuse me, um, the body language, you know, the positioning of the character, you know, again, t told such a story without a single word being uttered. And I mean, again, this is really, really a skill. So, you know, I, I feel that Ruby Rose really does an excellent job of that here in... Um, you know, here in Batwoman, and uh, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> that was a big sidetrack, I'm really sorry about that, so anyway, you know, um, I mean, obviously, look, she's mourning the loss of, of, of Beth, it's like, you gotta get inside this character's head, you know, the show starts off, she thinks, you know, after all these years that she failed, she, she couldn't save her sister Beth, only to find out that her sister is alive, however, you know, she's a twisted version of, of the girl that she knew. She's now pretty much her main nemesis in the form of Alice. Crisis on Infinite Earth happens. I mean... Let's not forget in Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, Kate Kane, who, when she returns to Gotham, you know, Bruce Wayne, her favorite cousin, has been gone for, you know, three years, I believe they say. She discovers that he's Batman, you know, really kind of finds out the truth. I mean, she kind of saw him as, like, the rich playboy, you know, like everybody knew, you know, the rich playboy. But he's, he was kind of a cool guy. He was always cool to Kate. Um, but she, find out, she finds out who he really is. Excuse me. Then in Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, she, I, again, it's an alternate version, but she comes and finds a version of her cousin Bruce Wayne. And, you know, after the events of his life and the Earth that he lived on, you know, she saw what he became, you know, bitter old man doesn't even really describe it. I mean, he pretty much became like he pretty much became an agent of vengeance. I mean, he killed Superman. On, on that earth um it's like he lost he lost all hope he lost all faith in humanity and he pretty much tells her um before he dies he pretty much tells her like you know this is your fate you know you, you can have all the hope and 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 you know hope and faith in, in humanity and 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 faith in that you're doing the right thing but it, it's not going to matter because you know, life stinks, the world is crap, basically, and it's going to break you down, and it's, you, you are going to become me. I mean, to learn all that, you know, then to come back after crisis, and hey, you know, my sister is back, there is an alternate version of Beth, and this is the Beth that I always wanted, this is the Beth that I hoped I could have had, had I saved her, you know, and then, and then she loses her, so again, a lot of emotion, a lot of conflict going on in this character, and Luke sees it, and Luke is basically like, look, you know, he tries to offer her, you know, he tries to console her, I think he does a pretty good job of it, but he also says, look, you know, one of the best things to do is, there's some bad stuff going on in Gotham, you know, maybe going out there as Batwoman and, and focusing on that and helping people, it'll take your mind off it, so, you know, he, he, he pretty much tells her, uh, there's a vampire on the loose. And I think what was really great about this is, you know, the the vampire jokes just really start flying. Because, look, back in the 90s, early 2000s, it was all about the vampires. You had Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, you had Twilight. And then all these sort of, like, knockoff, ripoff, you know, versions of Twilight. There was, like, Vampire Academy... Um, you know, I mean, even on the CW, I mean, with shows like, you know, Supernatural, 
Uh, there's some show about basically a private school for like witches and warlocks and werewolves and vampires and you know all this stuff. I mean, that was all the rage back in the 90s and 2000s. So it was kind of funny to see them start like making jokes. Um, sorry, uh, making jokes about the fact that there is a vampire loose in Gotham. You know, so Kate totally wants to, like, dive headfirst into it. She she needs a distraction. Her and Luke, again, doing some excellent back detective work. Um, they're able to kind of, they're, sorry, they're able to try to really kind of pinpoint the location of, you know, where Nocturna could be. And they also kind of come up with the theory that they, they, they tend to notice that the, the attacks that she's had kind of center around some clubs. And, and, and it's actually great. Um, because, you know, they kind of come to that conclusion. Um, they start, they start to kind of name some, I guess, known clubs and maybe not some known clubs in Gotham, but of course, Kate, you know, just being the total badass that she is, I mean, she knows about some underground clubs and just to see, you know, I think, um, I got, I forget the name of it. It was like, you know, Kate, Kate threw out like the name of like some random club and Luke clearly had no idea what she was talking about. And, you know, she was going to call him out on it. And he was like something like he was like, oh, oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you said purse. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm hip. Yeah. No, Luke, you're not. Um, but, yeah, they're able to kind of track down Nocturna. She has another victim. She's uh, again, she's about to drain this victim when Batwoman shows up. And OK, so, you know, Nocturna, as as we're going to call her, you know, or as they call her on the show, um, I mean, you know, later on we kind of find out what her whole story is. But, I mean, she's really playing up like this, like, late 90s version of a vampire with the manner of dress, putting on a little bit of an accent, um, acting very uh, sexually charged, shall we say, um, you know, making all these innuendos towards Batwoman. And, of course, as we know at this point, you know, because a few episodes back, Batwoman sat down with, you know, some random reporter by the name of Cara Danvers. Gosh, how do they know each other? Um, and pretty much came out as a lesbian. So, you know, it's a known fact. You know, Batwoman is a lesbian. So when Batwoman confronts Nocturna, I mean, we're getting the lesbian innuendo flying hard here. Um, Nocturna kind of gets the upper hand on her, bites her on the lip because... Yeah, why not? Um, and pretty much drugs her. But before she could really do anything, I mean, she pretty much strings up Batwoman. She's like, you know, I always wondered what a bat tasted like. Yeah, okay. Um, but before that could happen, uh, the crows do show up. So Nocturna has to kind of take what she can take. And, you know, she flees the scene. You know, and again... You know, it's it's kind of amazing. It's like, uh, you know, the crows are supposed to be this really big, you know, this great security company, um, you know, and before, you know, before these events unfold, you know, we do see Jacob coming back, taking the reins and basically saying like, look, Gotham has lost its faith in us. Let's go out there. Let's crack some skulls. You know, let, let's show them who we are and what we could do. Yet when they arrive on the scene, you know, whenever they really have a chance to kind of apprehend Batwoman, uh, it's always Sophie that just finds her. Um, you know, so Sophie finds her, uh, you know, kind of remembers that, you know, it was Batwoman that told her, you know, not to kill Alice. You know, you, you, you know, again, Batwoman slash Kate was doing it to protect her sister Beth. But of course, you know. She was also trying to protect Sophie. She was like, you know, this is not you. You know, is this the person you want to be? Just, you know, some brutish thug killer, you know, trying to rule Gotham with an iron fist. Like, you know, is that who you want to be? 
So I guess, you know, Sophie feels like she kind of owes her one. And she pretty much tells her, she's like, look, you know, I'm going to set you free here. But, you know, this is this is the last time, you know, I can't keep doing this, you know. Yeah, I owe you one. So consider my debt paid off to you. And, uh, you know, next time I get you, I'm going to get you. I'm going to take you down. Um, this comes to light later on. Um you know, again, Sophie kind of concocts a story, uh, you know, like they don't even know that Batwoman was there. There is some surveillance footage, though, that Jacob uh, does see later on. And, you know, we'll get to that because that kind of happens more towards the end. But, you know, again, Sophie is really kind of conflicted here uh, with Batwoman, uh, her loyalty to the crows and all that. Uh, so we see, next we see, we see Kate, you know, she's at Mary's clinic. Mary's clinic is up and running again. You know, Mary, it's great. It's great to see that Mary wants to go out there and make a difference again. I mean, yeah, she had a lot of hardships in her life. I mean, she lost her mother. Her stepfather was almost sent to prison for, for life. Um, you know, she, of course, you know, has very strong feelings and opinions on Alice. However, you know, having met, the Beth from uh, another another Earth, you know, she she realizes that you know she really did like Beth. I mean, it's like she made a great friend in alternate Earth Beth, and only to lose her, you know, days later. But you know, it's good to see her. It's good to see her back out there. She's taking care of Kate. Um, you know, Kate's kind of going in there like, uh, I have the flu. And she's like, really? You don't look like you have the flu. You know, cue fake cough from Ruby Rose. I mean, that was great. I mean, come on, you know. Bruce Wayne played the part really, really well, Kate. You 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 got you gotta step it up a bit. Um you know, and she's like, Yeah, I think I have the flu. And she's like, No, actually you were dosed with special K. Special K, of course, you know, referring to ketamine, which uh, we find out is a tranquilizer that's used by veterinarians to kind of keep animals calm while they do procedures on them. And, you know, Mary's sort of like, uh, why is this in your bloodstream? You know, because Kate, uh, you know, because like Kate was was the, the story that she kind of spun is is uh, you know, she heads up this big uh real estate development you know, project um, as part of Wayne Enterprises, where she pretty much is buying up, you know, all these sort of rundown, low rent areas, uh, refurbishing and revitalizing them, however, keeping the rents down. So the people that had lived there, or only people that could afford to live there could continue to live there. Like she's, She's, she's cleaning the place up, but she's not gentrifying it, basically. So she's kind of like, yeah, I'm taking night classes to learn about real estate and real estate law. And she's like, yeah, you got a party drug in you. And she's just like, well, you know, studying's hard or something like that. She gives kind of like a lame line there. And, uh, you know, she flees the scene here. So, again, you know, now armed with this knowledge, you know, they, again, Luke and Kate are on the case. They're trying to figure out, you know, you know, who this Nocturna could be. They do kind of narrow it down, but they realize, again, that it really seems like she's attacking, you know, club patrons. And, you know, Kate's got this lesbian bar that she's going to open up pretty soon, bar known as the Hold Up. And she decides, hey, what a better time than right now to have a grand opening. So, 
Yeah, I mean, Jacob gets wind of it, you know, because, you know, yeah, he's an old guy, but he's got Instagram. Uh, You know, he follows Mary's feed and he sees that, you know, Kate's club is opening that very night. He tasks Sophie with pretty much going there to protect her because he's like, we got a maniac on the loose out there draining people's blood. Uh, We kind of suspect that she's targeting party goers, club goers, and Kate is opening a club. I mean, you know, he knows that... um, he knows that Kate is going to do what she's going to do. I mean, he he's known that about her from the get-go. He's not even going to try to stop her, but, you know, darn it if he isn't going to keep his daughter safe. So he dispatches Sophie to pretty much keep an eye on her. Uh, we see this club opening, the holdup, and this is something I got to say that I really, really love seeing it. I mean, you know, when... When she decided to open it, uh, you know, she bought this piece of property right across from an Italian restaurant, an Italian bistro, where, you know, a few episodes back, she had met Sophie, where she was pretty much going to reveal to Sophie that she was Batwoman, but circumstances had kind of changed. And uh, But anyway, the driving force there was the the... The man that owned the restaurant, who earlier in that particular episode, you know, Batwoman had come in, pretty much foiled an assassination attempt, uh, pretty much prevented the patrons in this place from getting killed and major damage being done. And he was like, I love Batwoman, free dinners, you know, whatever you want. Um, But then later in that episode where he suspects, well, not suspects, where he sees that, you know, Kate is a lesbian, he's sort of like, hey, wouldn't you be more comfortable eating anywhere else but here? So, you know, she pretty much said she bought the piece of property right across the street, and she is like, I'm going to open the biggest, loudest gay bar in Gotham, a place called The Holdup. And it was great seeing this grand opening, because what was really great about it is is you pretty much saw the entire LGBTQ community out there. Um, you know, there, there were lesbians, there were gays, there were trans folk out, and it was just so natural. I mean, it was really a great representation. I mean, with something like this, it can really be done wrong. I mean, it could really be played the wrong way. And, you know, yes, this is, this is a comic book show. There's going to be action. There's going to be compelling stories in it, but There's also an underlying, you know, sort of queer commentary, I should say, or, or, you know, an LGBTQ commentary or or thread running through it. I mean, Batwoman outed herself uh, because Kate Kane is just that type of person, you know, she's loud and she's proud and she doesn't shy away from that. And the show doesn't shy away from that. And, you know, a lot of it could be played up the wrong way. When she battles Nocturna, yeah, there's lesbian innuendo flying back and forth, but it kind of heads like to the silliness of, of it a little bit. It's not overdone. It's almost kind of like in a way, it's it's almost sort of like, you know, when if you think back to like Batman 66 or, you know, some other versions of Batman when he would square off against a villain and they would kind of have that little witty banter back and forth. It was it was kind of like that. Um, but then that's it. I mean, you get the opening of this club. Like I said, the entire queer community uh, in Gotham comes out and they come out in full force. And it is what it is. You know, it's the opening of a gay bar. The queer community, the LGBTQ community comes out in full force and that's it. You know, we're not getting, we're not getting, you know, overdone sexy scenes or, I mean, clearly I think that the, I think the person who maybe wrote this episode or is writing, you know, these episodes or is the showrunner overall is, um, excuse me, 
you know, is a member of the LGBTQ community. I mean, I, I really should look it up. Um, either they're, like I said, either they're a member of the LGBTQ community or they really get it. You know, this this is definitely something that was written by, you know, not by somebody who is like, oh, I kind of sort of know a lesbian. I think this is how it goes. You know, whoever's writing this or, or overseeing, you know, like I said, like the showrunner, uh, for, for Batwoman gets the LGBTQ community. And it's great to see. It, it really is great to see because not for nothing, the CW kind of has a history of playing that stuff up the, the, the wrong way. I mean, there's the old joke, and I think it's in the first the very first episode of the first season of Riverdale where Betty and Veronica kiss. And, you know, um, I saw like a YouTube kind of review of that first uh, episode and the commentator was just like, yes, Betty and Veronica kiss because there's an executive somewhere going, we are the CW, Betty and Veronica shall kiss. You know, it's not overdone here. I think it's done really, really well. And it was it was great to see. It was really, really great to see, you know, Kate's bar. And, you know, so anyway, hey, let's get back to the story here. So anyway, you know, it's great. You know, Luke is kind of in the back room there. Uh, he has cameras strate- camera strategically placed all throughout the club with facial rec- facial recognition software. Pretty much people that they don't know, they're going to try to, they're really going to try to see if they can identify Nocturna, you know, possible suspects and whatnot. Um, it's really, really great because, like I said, Jacob... Uh, dispatches Sophie to go there to pretty much watch the place. So she's she's kind of going undercover. I mean, you know, we get sexy Sophie showing up there. I mean, it, look, it is the opening of a club. She does show up there, um, you know, and it's great because Luke Luke knows right away. He's just like, whoa, hey, that's Sophie. Nice. He's like, and he kind of makes a joke, and he's like, so tell me again, she left you. You left her because what? And, uh, yeah, Kate's just like, shut the F up. She's like, you know what? Next time you're staying in the Batcave, okay? So, um, you know, but uh, Luke does become concerned because, you know, Sophie runs into Mary. They're at the bar. You know, Mary's sort of like, you know, yeah, you're totally undercover. I get it. But Mary is like, look, all work and no play will make Sophie a dough girl. She's like, enjoy it. Relax. Kate can take care of herself. This is a party. And a woman does come over and does start to flirt with Sophie. And Mary Mary makes a great exit. She's just like, she just turns. Clearly, she's not seeing anybody. But she's just like, you know, oh, Susie, what? You need to talk to me? And is like, yeah, Sophie, enjoy it. However, you know, Luke is like, I think we got a, you know, potential nocturna suspect here. So Kate comes on out, you know, in all her glory, serving up the bar. Uh, to keep an eye on Sophie, and also as Luke kind of deduces, a little bit of jealousy there, you know, Sophie is, you know, Sophie's flirting, this woman's floating with, flirting with Sophie, and yeah, this might potentially be a quote-unquote vampire, but, you know, Kate is, uh... Yeah, Kate's a little, Kate's a little jealous, so it turns out that, no, this is not Nocturna, however... You know, um, Luke, you know, using his facial recognition software does identify somebody else. We, we see a young girl um, who, you know, after doing some research, they learned that, you know, her father was the caretaker of uh, one of the largest cathedrals in Gotham City. Um, this young woman suffers from, and I'm 
going to mispronounce this. It's like polypheria. It's like a very rare, very rare blood disease. Uh, some of the symptoms are like sensitivity to sunlight and the fact that, you know, her blood is essentially tainted. Um, you know, she can get painful cramps. I mean, this is something that could lead to an early death. So it's like she almost needs constant blood transfusions. I think we have a winner here with Nocturna. Um, you know, and, you know, what we get is... Um, you know, before Kate could really do anything about it, uh, everything gets kind of broken up. And, um, well, actually, no. I mean, really before Kate could do anything about it, she sees on her security feed that Alice is in the back alley. So Kate comes out. They have a little confrontation about it, you know. And, and basically, she's like, I'm not sorry that I was going to let you die and save the good Beth. I'm not sorry about it. However, you know, Alice isn't there for that. She's like, where is Mouse? Where are you keeping him? And we see that without Mouse, Alice is becoming more and more unhinged. You know, I mean, yeah, I think a big part of it, too, is the fact that, you know, her sister uh, really was going to have her die, was going to let her die. And now she doesn't have Mouse. It's like she's really, really becoming unhinged here. Um, yeah, but Kate really knows nothing about it. So Alice is like, fine, whatever. She goes to leave when she is taken by Nocturna. Um, you know, Nocturna has her, is going to drain her, and, um, you know, really in an effort to save her own skin. It's kind of weird because, you know, there's a little back and forth between the two, and uh, she's like, you know... She basically says, look, why do you want to drain me when there's a perfectly good... And she makes some, like, obscure wine reference, you know... Why do you want to drain me when there's like a very expensive bottle of wine out there for you? Now, I'm thinking she's going to try to set up, you know, Kate. She's going to try to set up Batwoman. But really what it is, is when Kate comes to, um, excuse me, when Kate comes to, to you know, confront Nocturna and to save Alice, you know, Alice basically tells her like, yeah, I sicked her on Mary because remember, Mary has that universal cure-all in her blood, you know. She's like, that was kind of my bargaining chip, you know. You you drain her, you take her blood, your polyphuria is going to be cured. So, you know, she tracks her down, Kate tracks her down. Um, Mary, you know, was taken by Nocturna and, um, excuse me, and, you know, she comes in to save her, um, and there is a fight that kind of ensues between the two of them. Uh, Nocturna does get the upper hand. However, she is clocked over the head by Alice. Alice comes and saves the day, and she's like, basically, she's like, look, I'm doing this because I want to show you I'm really a good person. Basically, you know, what happens is, is Mary is actually very, very close to death. Um, you know, she's almost been totally drained. It so happens that Beth, uh, I believe, you know, she has the O blood type. She's the universal donor. So she does a transfusion right there. She's like, I ain't got much left, but I'll give her what I could give her. Go stop Nocturna. Um, we stop Nocturna. Mary is saved. Uh, Alice, you know, with the Wonderland gang kind of determines that really the last person, you know, to sort of see Mouse, you know, was this... Um, you know, was this uh, was this doctor that uh, you know was going to talk to him and and try to learn about this sort of facial reconstruction thing that he does to really basically be a character, not a character witness, but to be like an expert witness uh, for Jacob. But we find out that it's really Doctor Cartwright, you know, Mouse's father. You know, so now she learns this, Alice learns this, and she's like, she knows what she needs to do. She needs to find Mouse, and she needs to put an end to Doctor Cartwright 
once and for all. So what we get here at the end is everything seems to kind of wrap up. You know, hey, Nocturne is behind bars and everything. Mary is safe. Uh, she's doing okay. This kind of brings me to something right here. So Mary learns, uh, you know, from watching the TV that this Nocturna person uh, would pretty much drug people with ketamine, you know, and that she herself was was drugged with ketamine. That's what kind of kept her subdued. So Nocturna could try to drain her. And she's like, ketamine? Wait a minute. She starts putting the pieces together and she's like, Kate Kane, you are Batwoman. Which kind of like leads me to like, you know, when when Mary had this realization, first of all, there were so many times throughout the series where I was like, Mary, oh my God, like you're right on the tip of it. You're right on the verge of it. Like you're you're about to figure out who Batwoman is. And that's the other thing too, is I'm sort of like, how do more people not realize that Kate Kane is Batwoman? I mean, Sophie kind of stumbled upon it pretty easily. Um Mary several times almost found it out and finally did find it out. And, you know, I was I was thinking about this. I was thinking about comparing Kate Kane to Bruce Wayne. And, you know, when she first took up the mantle um, and she was having, she's like, you know, I'm having the problem. How do I balance, you know, my life as Kate Kane with my life, wife, uh, life as Batwoman. Um, Luke was basically like, look, you know, this is how Bruce did it, you know, and, you know, if you look at the character of Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne was the Playboy millionaire, you know, different woman or women every night. Um, you know, he's like the eternal bachelor. He's kind of the goofball. Um, you know, he's the guy that will go to a board meeting uh, at Wayne Enterprises and fall asleep because he's bored. And it's like, take care of my money, guys, whatever. I got fun stuff to do. But he's actually really paying attention. He knows what's going on. You know, Bruce Wayne did a lot of good for the city, but he did it, you know, kind of, kind of, I don't want to say under the radar, kind of, you know, it would almost sort of be like, you know, money would go where it needed to go to help out individuals or groups or organizations, but it would almost kind of appear like it was the Wayne Foundation that did it. It wasn't Bruce Wayne directly himself, even though it was Bruce Wayne behind the scenes, you know, pulling the strings and directing all of this. You know, Bruce Wayne seemed very, very aloof. You know, he's a party animal. You know, he really doesn't care about anybody but himself. I mean, it really was a great disguise. Kate, on the other hand, Kate is, you know... Like I said, Kate is the one she's going to right all the wrongs out there. You know, she takes up this real estate business because she doesn't want to see Gotham City become gentrified. She wants to protect, you know, the little people. Um, she wants to protect the little people as Batwoman, and she wants to do it as Kate Kane. Um, I mean, to me, I don't think she's really doing that good of a job hiding, especially. And again, I mean, I think it's great that. Batwoman came out, you know, Batwoman is like, I am lesbian, I am proud of that, I am never going to hide from that. But the fact that it's like, you know, you have a do-gooder lesbian who's incredibly athletic, you know, with big red wig, um, you know, protecting the city as Batwoman, and, you know, you kind of have this crusading, you know, out-and-proud lesbian in Kate Kane. Uh, who also is a young woman is is also incredibly athletic. I mean, how more people haven't kind of put two and two together, I really don't know. But Mary finally figured it out. I'm very glad that she figured it out. But I then immediately thought, like, what is her reaction going to be? You know, is she is she going to be proud of Kate? Is she actually going to be resentful of Kate 
thinking like you could have done more. You could have done more to stop Alice. You probably could have prevented my mother from getting killed, from me almost getting killed. Um, why didn't you tell me? You know, again, I think it's going to come up that, you know, hey, Alice knows, but, you know, me, you know, yes, I'm your stepsister, but I'm the sister that really loves and supports you. And you're going to tell a deranged murderer that you're Batwoman, but you won't tell me. Yeah, there's the whole, you know, you want to protect your loved ones. You know, if your secret gets out and people know who you are, you know, they will become targets. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's going to be pretty interesting in the next episode or or or. or to when, you know, Mary kind of reveals to her that, like, hey, I know who you are. Um, but this episode really kind of wraps up with, you know, Jacob, like I said earlier, he had seen the surveillance footage. He saw that Sophie let Batwoman go. And I think he kind of knows the history of this that, you know, yeah, she's kind of, they've kind of had run-ins before. And instead of really following orders and just taking Batwoman down, she has let Batwoman go in the past. It almost kind of looks like they might be teaming up. Jacob's having none of this. He's like, basically, he's like, you got to choose. It's the Crows or it's Batwoman. You can't have it both ways. And he goes, I'm not going to give you time to think about it. You are suspended. So, you know, she loses that. I mean, that pretty much was a big part of our identity. It's all she's ever wanted to be. Um, she's the second, second in command of the Crows. It's her dream job. I mean, this is what she's dedicated her life to. And now it's all gone. So what we get here at the end is we see the Bat Signal. Batwoman heads on over there, you know, to see who activated the bat signal. Because really, ever since, you know, she came out, it's sort of like the bat signal is now off limits. It's like the city of Gotham, uh, the officials, I should say, the officials in the city of Gotham want nothing to do with Batwoman, you know, while the population does. You know, this is their new savior, this is their new hero. So she goes to investigate, you know, hey, who turned on the bat signal? It's not supposed to be turned on. It's Sophie. Sophie pretty much tells her everything, you know, that, you know, I have to choose. I have to choose between. You know, I have to choose between you or or my job. And Kate, Batwoman, gets it. And she's like, you know, your job is important. Your job is your life. I mean, you've you've worked everything. And, you know, Kate knows what she sacrificed. Kate knows that while they were at military school, Kate refused to deny the fact that she was a lesbian while Sophie did. You know, she did it because she doesn't have the same luxuries as Kate does. She can't just walk away from that because she comes from poverty. You know, she needed that school. She needed to get a job. You know, she she needed that. And, you know, Batwoman is like, okay, I'll back off. But... Sophie kind of reveals her true feelings, uh, you know, and, and the episode ends with the two of them kissing and it will be very interesting to see where things go from here. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I think this was a pretty good episode. Uh, we're definitely getting towards the end of the season. And like I said, I would really like to see them start to kind of set up who the big bad is going to be next season. Um, yeah, we still have some mileage left on the on the story between, you know, Kate and Alice. And I mean, the fact now that Mary knows, I mean, that's going to be very interesting next week. You know, how is Mary going to take, you know, this knowledge? How is she how is she going to handle all this? Um, Sophie pretty much, you know, declaring her love for Batwoman. Um, you know, does this mean that, you know, she loves Batwoman, but 
she's going to kind of lead this dual life again and and work with the crows is she going to try to work with that i mean it's really going to be interesting to see alice of course is is very very unhinged now and is looking for mouse and it seems like she will do anything to find mouse i mean all this has to come to a head and and like i said i think this is a great storyline and I, I i think you know it's going to resolve itself pretty well it's going to be a great story but we really need to start setting up season two. And I mean, a pet peeve of mine is typically with shows like this, it's sort of like the season finale spends 80% of the time wrapping up, you know, the events of season one and kind of just at the last minute throwing out something there to kind of tease you for season two. Or we get a vice versa where we spend about 25% of the time, you know, wrapping up the, the events of season one in a very haphazard and kind of schlocky way. Like we just kind of throw it together because now we need the rest of this episode to kind of set you up for season two. I, I think it's going to be kind of the former where they're going to take their time and they're going to wrap the storyline up. And then at the end kind of tease who, you know, next season's big bad is. Although I had read early on and midway through the season that the writers have said, you know, sort of the big bad villain for season two will be coming. You're going to see this person, you know, you're going to see them more towards the end of the series or end of the season, I should say. Um, kind of like hinting that they're not just going to spring it at you at the end, you know, with like a little stinger or something at the end of the season finale. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Guys, uh, do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff You Don't Need to Know is there. I post pictures uh, about the stuff that I talk about. Uh, occasionally, I will throw up a poll there. Um, it's also a really, it's a great way to reach me. If there's something that you would like me to talk about, hey, do me a favor. Reach on out. Uh, I did... Excuse me, I did way back when. I did a listener request month, and uh, I got a lot of feedback on it. But, yeah, if there's something that you would like me to talk about, just send me a message there on Instagram. I do monitor it, and, uh, yeah, you know, I'll uh, if it's something I've watched or liked, uh, I'll definitely do it, and I will give you credit for it. As you know, uh, I'm involved in a couple other podcasts, uh, so I want to give a shout-out to... Uh, my other two podcasts, Our Story, which is a podcast on American history. I do that with my friend John. Enter the Nerd Zone, which is another sort of geek and nerd-related podcast, uh, skewed more towards uh, geek and nerdy stuff from the 60s all the way up into the 80s. Uh, I do that with my friend Pete. Uh, also want to give a shout-out to my friends John and Alan, Nerd and Me, the Nerd and Me podcast. It's a great podcast, um, heavily on the 80s stuff. Uh, it's really, really good. Also give a shout-out to John and Kevin's Big Stupid Podcast. Uh, I've called into that uh, podcast a couple of times. Uh, they were very gracious to play what I had to say, my rantings and whatnot there. And um, Yeah, it's a fun show, so definitely give it a listen. This is Jay, and I'll talk to you guys later. Because it's the best going today. Woo!